Trek, right? Oh yeah. Check this out. The double burst. This is this really is the Tim episode if you think about it, because we're mm. drinking Fox Farm, which is on the bingo card, along with that other brewery. And then we're talking about golf, talking a little Celtics basketball. I mean this Tim, this episode's for you. I like it. I like it. I uh I have one of those uh other bingo card beers in the fridge that I keep wanting to open, but I keep waiting. Yep. Gonna be, gonna be one of those days. Right. Tim, let's get into it. Season three, episode six. That's the matter. We're gonna talk golf. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Celtics, good news spot. If you listened to the last episode, we didn't know what was gonna happen, but I think we do. Yeah, NBA Conference Finals. And we're gonna talk a little bit of name image likeness. I understand a lot of people have been talking about Jimbo Fisher and Nick Saban going back and forth. Mm-hmm. There's a bunch of prima donnaness that's going on with this, but many people don't really know what name image likeness is. So we're gonna break it down just a little bit. In our cups this week, it's a double IPA from one of the top IPA breweries in the Northeast, if not the country. Shout out to Fox Farm. You know you can follow us on Instagram at Stats of Matter and on Twitter at Stats Podcast for all things sports and beer. Find Stats of Matter wherever you get your podcast, Google, Spotify, Apple, and Stitcher. And that just happened because I tried to read Spotify and Apple at the same time, and it was Spot Apple, <laughs> Spotify, something like that. Well, Tim, but before before we get into this, we we have we have to talk about you know something that's terrible that's happened today. And by the time you you hear this, the numbers will likely be um, higher than they are now. But uh, there was a senseless mass shooting today in Texas uh, at a school in which there are well over fifteen confirmed dead uh, children. And you know, I I think this is uh, just you know on the heels of another mass shooting that we had in Buffalo a couple of weeks ago, and um, there's been a considerable outpouring from. The city of Buffalo, obviously, um, I'm sure there will be something with teams, you know, in the, uh, the state of Texas that will go on over the next couple of days. Yep. Uh, Warriors head coach Steve Kerr had uh, an impassioned two and a half minute speech uh, in which he got up from the podium after he made it. Um, and I encourage you to go and find that speech. It's available on all social media platforms. But uh, it is it is definitely, definitely a tough day, especially if you've got uh, children that are in school. And um, yep. yeah, just just tough. Yeah, it's uh, you know, a lot of them they're they're very tragic. Uh, every time you hear about them, uh, and there's really no other way to describe it. I mean, it's it's frustrating. Uh, regardless of where you fall in terms of your political affiliation, what your thoughts are on on gun rights and whatnot, at some point, like there's got to be a breaking point where we got to find got to work together to find some kind of solution right putting a gun in a school isn't going to stop it like they're you know i grew up with a, a truancy officer that was uh in our school all the time who was an armed officer and you know to be to be quite honest i don't think that would have made any difference if nothing else i think he would have probably been the first target just to kind of eliminate the target and then you kind of move on but um you know it's 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 a lot talking about it again uh you know there's a lot that's still waiting to come out like initial reports were you know 14 injured kids now it's you know the numbers keep climbing um it's tough to kind of hold back and and not get emotional about a little bit because i have a six-year-old who's in school and i can't help but imagine um what that i mean anybody who's had a kid and has seen the like the the face of what true fear looks like on a kid. It is completely heartbreaking. Uh, and I just think about what those kids must have been going through both during before, after not knowing what was going on, the panic from all the, the teachers and whatnot. And I just, 
that's such a unfathomable level of um uh, I, I don't even I'm evil. I don't know if it, there's another word I could use to describe it, but to to go after a bunch of kids that are not even capable of processing what is happening. They're not able to to understand what is happening and you're just like I, I can't wrap my head around, you know, obviously, I, you know, it, it takes uh, a very troubled individual to go through something like that. But man, I can't help but think of what those kids, both the ones who were hurt and the ones who were just there, that level of trauma and fear, because, you know, my son has gone through this a couple of times in terms of like drills for this kind of stuff. And he talks about it for a couple of days every time afterwards as to how scary it is. And like, it's, it's not something they think is fun, like fire drills and whatnot. Those are terrifying for little kids. But, you know, talk about it to, to teach them how to protect themselves when that comes up and whatnot. And then to actually have it happen like this, I just, it breaks my heart thinking about all of that. Like all of those kids. It's, I mean, it's tough. I was talking about it earlier today with my wife and it physically makes like it, I'm not, I'm not scared of a lot of things. I don't have a lot of like natural fear. I don't, I, I don't have any real phobias, uh, any phobia I had growing up. I've, you know, kind of gotten over, but people scare the shit out of me. And it's because of situations like this, knowing that my son can just be at school, having done nothing wrong. His life is so short. He hasn't been involved in anything. And somebody who has a bad day or a bad week or has some kind of mental struggle that they can't cope with could just go in and, and wipe it out the same way I could just be shopping in a produce section and someone could decide to come in and just end it and know that in the days and the weeks after everyone talks about it, ultimately nothing changes. It's still like that fear now that I'm responsible for another life is just the only thing that I think truly scares me. Um, and every time one of these things happen, it kind of brings it back to light. I, I don't know how they went on and, and played the game in Dallas. They're, they're playing tonight, you know, it's 400 miles away, but anytime you stop and think about it, man, it just, it, it kills me. It, it gives me like an actual like stomach ache thinking about like the look on the face of some of these kids and just the terror that they went through. I just can't even, uh, can't even imagine it. Can't even yeah, imagine and, it. And you know, there's, there's going to be plenty of discourse on all your social media channels over the next couple of days. Cause people are going to be, taking polarized, you know, stances on this whatsoever, but like, you know, you're probably going to see some hot takes like, Oh, you know, what are pro athletes talking about? They, they, they don't have these types of problems. Oh yeah, they do. And sometimes people don't listen unless a pro athlete decides they're going to, they're going to get up and say something or until there's yeah. a protest and we don't play a game because we, we want to advance the social um, yeah. justice movement. So like, if you don't like it, you do have a voice. Yeah. You, you can go in and, and use your voice to, to vote. You can be involved in things. You can be, you know, certainly much more informed than just reposting whatever hot take someone else in your own echo chamber is saying so. Yep. And this isn't, uh, it's not something, I mean, you have no scapegoats in this one. This isn't something you could race bait. It's not something you could blame, you know, you know, poor, uneducated or lifestyles at home. There's, there's not a lot that you can do in this scenario that a kid felt compelled to uh, act out in a very unfortunate way. Um, was able to walk in, walk out with a couple pretty deadly weapons, and then immediately uh, use those to end a lot of lives very, very quickly. Twenty, twenty 
as of right now, 20 children who were at school. They weren't in the wrong place at the wrong time. Their families weren't in areas or cities that have a lot of gun violence. They were, they were at school. They were at school going about their day, doing things that we all did when we were a kid. And uh, they will not be doing that same thing tomorrow or at any point. And there are a lot of kids uh, in that school who are going to go on and their lives have been ruined from this point forward because of the amount of trauma and just the, the aftershock of everything that this is going to bring on. It's just, I, I don't know, man. I can't wrap my head around it. I don't know. Yeah. I'm with you on that one, man. Yeah. Our thoughts definitely got to those families affected. And, uh, you know, we always say we hope that there's some meaningful change that comes from this, even though I think we all know that at this point we're just, we're just kind of saying it to, to say it because, you know, a lot of that doesn't happen. So we hope that eventually, you know, someone will hear, the phrase maybe we should do something about this and something does get done so yeah it feels like it feels like it's becoming like a bless you you know like we say bless you as a knee-jerk reaction reaction every time someone sneezes but at the end of the day it doesn't really mean anything doesn't there's there's nothing that comes from that and it's kind of what this feels like just oh yeah it's just what we're supposed to say i don't know but i feel you we're sorry to start this on such a somber note but there's no way to uh to avoid it there's a there's no way to not talk about it i mean we are going to go on and we're going to you know try to pull this this thing back together and, and and move on and and you know talk about sports and talk about things but this is something that uh, you know i think it's important to keep bringing up and talking about and instead of waiting until it happens it's something that we'll likely want to kind of keep circling back to just uh you know we're a sports podcast we're, we're not trying to pound you guys in the face with our political beliefs or, or make you see one side or the other from our political standpoint. It, it does come up from time to time, but this is, this kind of stretches beyond that. This is the kind of stuff you don't really see in other parts of the developed world. We see this a lot in some of the third world countries we're trying to, you know, help defend and, and build up and, um, you know, more and more, a lot of the things we see and a lot of the reasons we are in some of these third world countries are things we're starting to see more and more uh, on our home turf. And we can't we can't just kind of turn a blind eye and say it's a, it's a third world underdeveloped country that, you know, is is just rife with uh, economic depression and, and, you know, the lack of income and resources and whatnot. We, we see those. We look at countries like Afghanistan and we see the way that their citizens are treated. We see the way that, you know, countries like Iraq and Russia and South Korea, we see these things going on. But when they happen here at home, we just kind of brush it underneath the table as like one individual. It was just one individual. Well, now we've had like hundreds of individuals who've carried out acts like this. We can no longer say this is a one-time situation. This has happened repeatedly over and over and over, and it is an active part of our culture as Americans, which is awful. Like, that's the first time I've ever kind of put that phrasing and terminology around that was just in this very moment. But it is an actual part of our culture, and if you start peeling back that onion peel, there isn't a lot different between this and what's happening now. And what happens in some of these other countries that we sit and judge and, and look down upon because of the way they treat their citizens, the, the only difference is a lot of times over there, it's either their government agencies that are doing it or, you know, uh, terrorists or, you know, wrongdoers in general who come in. Here, it's our own citizens. 
it's people every day who you see in your communities that are carrying out these sort of things. Mass shootings and, and violence and things like that is an active part of our culture now, which is insane is. to say. It's insane to say. It's in the same is, vein as, as where in like Afghanistan they used to, you know, stone homosexuals or, or anybody who was thought to be gay. They would there were horrific videos that were posted online of, of ways that they were torturing and murdering these people. That's not all that dissimilar to what's happening now to different races of our country. Children now. Like it's it's so unreal that it is it is woven into the fabric of being an American is having to deal with these types of large scale moments of violence. It's you know yeah. unfortunate. It, it's it's a it's acceptance that I don't think we really truly ever gave. We just were subject to that at the moment. Yep. And now we're numb to it. <sighs> anyway. Anyway. We'll try and pull this thing together. We'll try and pull it together. But Well, Tim, you've been saying for the podcast in a long time that uh Fox Farm does make some of the best IPAs in the Northeast, if not the country. Uh, and I, I definitely called your, I, I called your bluff on that quite a few times. And a couple weeks ago, uh, shout out to Jamie. He was, uh, you know, he had his bachelor party up there at Mohegan Sun. And I happened to stop by Fox Farm on the way back. Um, I thought, hey, closer than ever. Might as well pick up uh, some beer, you know, send it your way. And uh, I got to tell you, man, what a fantastic facility they got up there. Just, just a absolutely. The sun was shining, the birds were chirping, the beer was flowing. I mean, you know, Brad. The only thing I didn't do was eat a slice of pizza from uh, the food truck that was there. But I, I, going back, I, I kind of wish I did. But uh, you know, I picked up some cans, and uh, we're gonna do this. We're gonna do this live at the same time, right? So we got burst. Uh, sorry, double burst uh, from Fox Farm. Yeah, uh, burst is one of their flagship IPAs. I am so excited about this because. It, I this this has been sitting. I've had every other beer <laughs> that I that I brought back except for this one. Right. Um. So I'm I'm really looking forward to this. So, so I, was, I say I say uh, fuck it. We'll just yeah. crack it at the same time and. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so quick backstory. Uh, I was supposed to go and meet Sam. This is about an hour and ten minutes from my house. I was supposed to go meet Sam. Uh, when he was in Connecticut, we were excited about it. We talked about it, and then I got COVID. So. As much as I've been talking about going out to Fox Farm, I haven't been out in probably a year or so. Um, the first Fox Farm came by way of, of Connecticut and then down to <laughs> Sam and then from Sam up back up to me. So uh, it's, yeah. it's the beer that's, well traveled. that's traveled the East Coast for sure. But I'm very excited for it. Um, <clears throat> first is without a doubt one of my top three beers I think ever. This is the the big boy and, and, version of it. So, and you know, I, I do have to say before we get into this because I don't think it's going to completely taint my uh, my feeling on this on this beverage. But there's something about Fox Farms beers that I you're going to laugh your ass off when I say this. Okay. That reminds me of Maine Beer Co. How soft and how subtle uh, the beer is itself, but how much flavor they pack into it. Have no idea why <laughs> I can't stand fucking Maine Beer Co. But I was saying. Fox Farms praises until uh, that's because you know, sir, you're until a hypocrite. The, until the aliens a, trying to invade. It's because you're a, a hypocrite with a terrible scale and palate. Oh my so, goodness! Anyway. Oh my goodness! Here we go. All right, sir. We both got ours poured. Uh, in case you oh, you, you missed that part, Sam and I are both. Uh, we're we're doing the same beer. Double burst. Yes. Fox Farm. Cheers, dude. Cheers, man. 
fantastic. Yeah, it is. It is fantastic. Uh, the one thing that immediately jumps out every time I've had a Fox Farm beer is the oh. consistency oh. and the quality oh. is just phenomenal. It is it's ridiculous. It is like <laughs> it is like they grew these all, went out and plucked them off the, their own vine, brought them in, and yes. made a beer out of them. And it's just like pillowy, pillowy soft. It's like crisp in all the right, right ways. It's uh, I, I'm trying to think of like another analogy with food that when you have it fresh and you know it's fresh, like a like a salad. Like you know when you had a salad and you know the ingredients that are in there are like as fresh as they possibly can be. Like picked that morning, thrown in. Yeah, it's got that crispness. That's what this is. Like everything in here is just on point. It's like these are the best beers I've had probably at least in the last year, without a doubt. Uh, and I would put it in my big facts. I will. I will say this before I give it a score. I do still like burst, regular burst, better. It's a little bit more subtle. It, the the flavor I think is it actually comes Not across me. like uh, just like I think sweeter almost. But um, yeah, this I mean, if if burst is in my in my top five, this is this is probably in my top five, if not like just outside, at least IPA wise. Burst is in my top five beers ever, no matter style. This I'm putting up there if I'm I'm talking IPAs, but this is I mean it's so good. So good. it is. It is so good. What what is your rating, fine sir? <sighs> hmm. I'm gonna give this one. I'm gonna give it a four or five. Like a four or five. Not not surprising. Um, I'd, I'd have to agree with you, but I'm gonna go just a little bit further up. This is a four seven. Mm. You know, for, for me, like IPAs. I, I, I'm trying to think if I've ever given an IPA five zero. Like Hetty Topper is a four point seven five. It's so good, right? But this is like Hetty Topper is nothing like this. <laughs> it, it stands really on on its own, the, the, right? The, um, <laughs> the more you talk about your beers and like the comparisons, the more I think you're actually lying about not liking lunch because Hetty Topper oh, and lunch and Pliny yeah. the Elder were the three beers that were constantly trading the crown mm. for like best beer. There it is. Pliny the Elder is the five. Yeah, that's right. So, so by definition, so then if if Hetty Topper is a four seven, lunch needs to be either between a four seven and a five, or like right behind it. But you say you hate it, even though they nah, don't taste it needs the to same. be like a like a like a like a two seven five to like a three point one. Jeez, dude, I, I, this guy, I don't know get what out of here, maybe, maybe, Tim. You know what? Maybe the next time I'm in Maine and I'll, I'll stop by the Maine Beer Co. there and I'll get a lunch off the draft. Fresh from the store. All right. Because no matter when we get Maine Beer Co. here, the shit is not fresh. It does not taste good. I don't, I don't know. I don't tell you about this. Man, every time I have lunch down here on draft, I'm like, put it back. I don't want the, it. The most amazing thing about this is that if you look at the cans, these were canned almost exactly a month ago, and they're still yeah. incredible. Mm-hmm. This, oh, by the way, shout out to all the the hardcore hop guys that are like, you can't have it after like three weeks, two weeks. It's you just can't do it. It's not fresh anymore. No. Well, in the right conditions, 
Correct. It 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 yep. can live as long as it's not hot, cold, or warm, cold, warm, cold, warm, cold. Rapid temperature changes, light, and oxygen are the three biggest enemies to the flavor in your beer profile. If it's canned on air, it's going to turn to shit sooner. If it's exposed to light, it's going to turn to shit sooner. If the temperatures are going from refrigerated when you buy it to warm on a shelf for a couple of days and then back to being refrigerated, that's it's going to be the same way. It's going to be the same way. It's going to deteriorate faster. But a good quality beer canned properly in the right quality assured standards will hold up very well because not many of them are actually canned with live product inside of it. It's not a Brett that changes or yep. ages. It's an IPA that usually by the time it gets canned, most of that living product has been pulled out of it. There are plenty of breweries out there that throw that drink fresh label on it to get you to drink it. Cause guess what happens when you drink their beer fresh? You got to go and buy more of it. So keep that yeah. in mind. I mean, I, th- I think Tim, you really, we've been doing this podcast now. This is, this is season three. Yeah. You just said something that actually finally just summed up my whole feeling towards IPAs. Mm-hmm. I want the freshest salad. I want the salad that's made that day. I want crisp lettuce. I want vegetables that, like, when you bite into it, they have a little snap. I don't want the fucking salad that's been sitting on the shelf that has, like, the little condensation droplets in it because you all know what that salad tastes like, and that's exactly what shelf turds taste like. When, when, when a beer has been on the shelf for so long, and especially, I mean, in New England IPA, if you have someone who's not really, not really solved that problem yet, right, because I don't want to say they're not smart because people who brew are very, very smart. Um, but you know when an IPA is off, they all taste the same when it's off. It's very, very apparent from like the minute you get it and you're like, slide this back. I'm just, I'm just saying I, I did go to a, a baseball game a couple weeks ago, went to a, a brewery outpost that was not too far from that baseball game. And I had three beers had a, had a double had a regular IPA and a cold style ale. And I left them all undrank. Took a couple sips from each one, and I was like, "Nah, this is I'm I'm good." And was like, "Oh, it's beer, it can't be that bad." I'm like, "It's bad, it's bad, dude." And I mean, right, so I, I I will I will just say, sorry, I don't mean to run out. I will say that like if it sits long enough, yes. What I, what I mean by like, I'm talking about the beer guys who scoff at like a beer that's three weeks old, four weeks old, whatever. Sorry, dudes. Sometimes that beer sits in that fermenter until it's ready. So it's it's. Sometimes it sits for like a week in a fermenter until yep. it gets to like the, the 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 brewing process is measured so finely that if a beer is not there, it doesn't get like canned early with the assumption that okay it'll get there in the can. It they have a target gravity. They have everything like fine tuned so that when it gets canned, you know, it, it depending on the style, it could have been canned you know, 24 hours after it went through the brewing process and the fermenting process, or it could be there for like a week, week and a half waiting to ferment and get to the right gravity before they throw in some cans. So I get it. I get it over time. Yes. I won't say it doesn't change at all, but to scoff at a beer that's four weeks old, maybe even six weeks old, as long as it's been kept cold and out of the light or, was canned warm and is or canned cold and then gradually warmed and is now aging. Stop pitching. It's fine. It's fine. We have a prime example. Everyone who listens a, to this a four seven that everyone you just listens gave a to month, this podcast. A month old like, one. Sam is that fucking dude. <laughs> but you just gave a four seven to a month old beer, so keep that in mind next time. 
Oh, oh, let's let's not get it confused, Tim. That shit was cold when I got it. That shit was kept out of the light on the eight-hour drive back from Connecticut. It went into the fridge immediately. I put it yeah. upside down. It's been sitting in the fridge until the day that it went into packaging and was at the post. <clears throat> sorry, and was at the the delivery method. Um, the United Postal Service FedEx uh, service post box, right? Yeah. Until until I took it uh, to that that thing. It was it was cold the entire time. Yeah. So yeah, you know. Oh my god, not cold for like a day or two. Uh, heartbroken. The same day your beer store came, another beer store came. Except that other beer store had a uh, a bottle of whiskey and an angry oh. chair beer in it, and the uh, the whiskey bottle did not survive. Yeah, it 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 I, happens. Sometimes. It came in a bag. The box was in a saturated bag. I could smell coming up my driveway. It was a uh, Elijah Craig foolproof Ooh. store pick. Uh, which is a tough one to come by. That's like a hundred dollar bottle off the shelf, and uh, it was in a nice little bag with a, a sticker on it that said, uh, "It showed up like this," but it woke up like this. <laughs> oh man! All right, yeah. that's what's in our cup this week. I wish I could tell you you can go find it locally, but let's be honest, it's probably one of the only times where I'm going to be like, "You can't go to Connecticut." And go get that shit. Yeah, There's go like to a Connecticut. Distribution, I think. Like, yeah, go, it's uh, no, no. I don't even think they just. They, I don't think they distribute even around Connecticut, but uh, can <clears throat> no, but you can get it on draft. I think in a, a couple places in Western Mass, um, and then a lot of places in, uh, you know, in your favorite area to get beer. If you listen to this podcast and can send me a DM with the exact timestamp of when we talked about this podcast, I might be able to hook you up with a beer store delivery. Oh, so All right. All shout right. out the the exact time. How exact how do people time. know the exact time? What? Because when you hit play at the start of a podcast, this number starts at zero point zero zero and counts up until they I we say the word Fox Farm. What do you mean? Oh, oh, okay, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So. I was like, how, how is someone how is someone going to know that it's all right? Know, to, to clarify for the Sams out there, when you hit play. <laughs> And you're listening to our podcast. When you hear us say Fox Farm, send me that timestamp and a DM, and we'll figure out a way to to ship you some Fox Farm cost plus shipping, like whatever whatever it costs to get the beer and whatever it costs to ship it to you. So no overhead cost on my end. I'm not trying to, uh, and I, I'm not shipping. It shipping is illegal. It's coming from the beer store by via train. Okay. Yeah. I, via, I don't condone via, shipping. Via shipping booze. It's illegal. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Sure is. All right. <laughs> let's let's get into it here, Tim. Celtics got absolutely smacked in Game Three. Yes. And then absolutely beat the brakes off the Miami Heat in Game Four. Uh, the series is now tied two two. Yep. I did say Celtics in six, and that's what they're going to have. I don't know. Yeah, I said Celtics in six, which is what they're going to have to do now at a minimum if they win the next two games. You said Celtics in seven. That's probably a, a, a closer realization. Either team that yep. goes to seven. I mean, we have the Mavs uh, Warriors game that's going on right now, but the Warriors are up three zero, and I mean, I don't think yeah. that they're going to drop the ball. So you're going to get a likely rested Golden State Warriors as your championship contender from the West. So good luck with that. You went six games in this series. You went at least six games or four or five games against the. Um, Against the Milwaukee Bucks, and then the only rest that you ever had in the postseason is, is the first round. 
or you yep. won four games. So, I, again, I said it before. I would love to see the Celtics <laughs> and the Warriors in the finals. If the Warriors keep playing like the way they do, though, and the Celtics keep playing like the way they do, where they just disappear for stretches of time, yeah. um, it's going to be rough. Now, one of the greatest things about uh, you know Game Four, and I read the stats somewhere. I think it's from the Athletic. Uh, the Celtics shot like thirty nine percent, and they still won by twenty. Yep. So it was a historically bad night for the Miami Heat, anyways. But it, it was, and I got I, I got to say, I had the Twitter fingers going uh, during the last. Um, well, in both games, this one and and the one before, but man, Skip Bayless. I'm naming him by names. Is one of the worst Twitter accounts to to follow when a team uh, that he's rooting for is in any kind of game. Because that dude, first of all, is completely blind to whatever is going on against the other team. It's just his team. But it was excuse city for him, his entire fan base, and every other Heat fan that was on Twitter. And there I was trying to like ask and understand what everyone was talking about. Because first it was because... Uh, they were without Jimmy Butler, and then it was because the the refs were only giving fouls to the Celtics, and it was just like one excuse after another. Yesterday, the whole narrative changed because Butler was back, and then it was like uh, Tyler Hero was pretty much non-existent in uh, in Game Three, and last night he wasn't even on the bench. So it's not like you can say Game Three or or last night. It's it's because we didn't have Hero. Is he a great player? Sure, but he's he's kind of been absent so far in this series so it was it was tough it was tough watching it was wow that wasn't a foul and to to the point of fouls i'm gonna say this as somebody who likes watching playoff basketball i will say i am in general a more casual fan than than uh, a lot of the folks out there who are diehard nba fans i will accept that but i'm gonna go on record and say you me the entire NBA fan base, players, probably referees, and all the pundits that are on TV talking about it, we have no idea what a foul is anymore at all. We don't. Because you can we see don't. the same play back-to-back going either side, and once it could be an offensive foul, once it could be a defensive foul, another time they may just not call it at all. You can jump into somebody who is completely stationary, totally fine, you can jump into another player who is also completely stationary, and they may call it an offensive, an offensive foul. Or if that person happens to put his hand on your elbow and gently caresses it as you attempt to go up mm. for a shot, that's a foul. I'm glad they did away with the I can't jump and like throw my leg out uh, yeah. thing, but it still gets called because you can throw your whole body into somebody and still get it. So. Nobody really knows what a foul is anymore, and I have to say, for a bunch of grown men playing sports, it seems and feels like a very soft game because like, it's come down to people complaining about more free throws being called for one team than another, when it should be just, why are there so many free throws and fouls in basketball? Like, How are you supposed to defend anybody? If the moment you make contact with them, it's a foul, but they can jump right into you, and that's not a foul. I just, I don't, I don't understand it. And you're asking a dude watching, was it 10 grown men constantly run around in a small circle to determine at the drop of a hat uh, what is and what isn't a penalty? It's just, it's asinine. The game has become a little too soft. 
technicals are being thrown around all over the place because people are questioning or calls flagrants. and flagrants. For like no reason. Yeah, it's like, you know, I, I will say Draymond Draymond Green is is probably one of those that is based a lot off reputation, um, and a lot of times he deserves the technicals and and whatnot that he's getting. Uh, but there are other times where you could tell it's just his reputation that kind of got him there. But flagrants and I mean it's it's and then everyone contests literally every call. Like there's never been a call in the NBA where someone's like, oh yeah, my bad. I mean, I'm that's exaggerating. I'm sure it is. Yeah, yeah. But it's it's such a low percentage that every time it's like, what, what, what? Like there was one last night. Uh, Tatum was going up from the key, from the top of the key, going up for a layup. Throws his hands up. I don't remember who the Heat player was, but he literally came down and tomahawked right across the elbows. Right. So Tatum's arms are outstretched, and he came across both hands. And then turns and was like, what? That wasn't. I mean, if there was ever a foul, that's probably a foul. And then it's like, there was never like a, yeah, yeah, my bad. It's become like the the U.S. equivalent to soccer. But like flopping. Don't even get me started on flopping. A lot flopping. of flopping. Yeah. A lot don't of flopping. Don't get me started on flopping. A lot of flopping. But it seems like. We'd be this, here the whole episode talking about flopping. Yeah, this entire, uh, this entire uh, podcast could be dedicated to to just what's wrong with, with the NBA. Maybe but, this entire uh, podcast is about flopping, Tim. Let's do it. Uh, Maybe that's what we're doing. (laughs) Uh, But no, it just seems like this playoff series in particular, or this year's playoff stretch over the last, uh, since the start of playoffs until now, just seems worse than in previous years. Like, I'll watch a game for two to three quarters, and then I find myself getting like a little checked out because I know the last quarter is going to take like 45 minutes to play. Yeah. Yeah. It's unreal. Unreal. But. Celtics finally figured out it comes down to Tatum being consistent is what it is. And he knows that they know that, uh, you know, Brown is trying to pick up where, where he can, but if Tatum is inconsistent and not hitting the shots, they don't, they don't stand a chance. Not a chance. The only thing I think, the only thing I think that really helps the Celtics is that they have been sort of taking Marcus smart here, mm-hmm. uh, Robert Williams there. They've been, they've been trying to mess with the whole, you're not going to play this game trying to limit the minutes for the rest of the season. There's obviously an injury there, okay? Yeah. At full power, I think the Celtics are a great defensive team, the best defensive team left in this series. However, getting punched in the face by one player is a hell of a lot different than getting punched in the face, you know, the face by multiple Warriors players if they make the NBA Finals. So I, I, I'm looking forward to that. Um, currently, the Warriors-Mavs game is at halftime, game four, mm-hmm. and it's 62-47. Golden, yeah, uh, the Mavs. So yeah. uh, there is, but the, but there was a twenty nine point lead in, in I think one of these earlier games, and they erased it because that's that's what they're able to do. So let's say that they don't sweep and, and it goes to Game Five. I still think the Warriors are going to win, which would mean that's that's who we're going to see. Obviously, yeah. second phase of their dynasty. That's uh, that's pretty great. But I I do I, I we talked about this before. I I don't know how to how to succinctly say it enough. Emo Doka has awakened something in this team. He's he's gotten more out of this team than Stevens did. And I I mean Stevens took this team to the Eastern Conference Finals plenty of times. But they they just for whatever reason they can never hit that fifth gear. And I feel like we've seen multiple times throughout this postseason where their their backs have been against the wall and they have hit that fifth gear. And it's a it's a different team. It feels to me like a different team. Um mm. it's it's really good. So uh, we're we're very spoiled. Um 
I know you're you're probably very spoiled because you know the Bruins aren't playing anymore, and the Patriots didn't do so great last year, and mm-hmm. the Revolution mm-hmm. aren't doing too hot, and all this other stuff, right? But we can always rely on the Celtics. Mm. Mac Jones showed up at uh, Mac Jones showed up at training camp looking looking lean this year. <sighs> I guess got, we'll have to figure got, out what Mac Jones is doing for his diets, and maybe maybe we'll do the same thing. Mm. Maybe, maybe that's what we'll do. We'll do the we'll do the Mac Jones diet instead of four pack bets this this upcoming, uh, <laughs> upcoming football season. Yeah, if you if you Psych. lose if you lose, you're not allowed to have a beer for uh, four weeks instead of a four pack. No, I'm not. I'm not agreeing weeks. to that. No, no, no. <laughs> I'm not agreeing to it. What's what's in your cup this week, Sam? Oh, a protein shake, <laughs> <laughs> kale and be, spinach. Oh, that would be. I joke, but my wife makes it all the time. No, no, my my wife makes that shit all the time. That shit's delicious, especially during the summer. Yeah, if you put enough fruit in it, of course it is. I like kale. I got I got kale growing in my garden right now. Oh boy! I got bok choy growing in my what? garden, and that shit was delicious. But I did not know that bok choy, bok choy is delicious. Yeah, uh, it's a it's a cold weather, colder season fruit uh, vegetable. So if you grow it in the temperature, and this happens with a lot of vegetables, actually. Here's your pro tip, everybody, for your COVID gardens that I know you all started over the last few years that you're now mm. addicted to. Uh, bok choy, incredibly easy to grow. Uh, the problem is you want to do it either early spring or later in the year as it gets into fall because it's colder weather, hardier, uh, uh, leafy green. Uh, the problem is if it gets too hot too quick, it bolts. And for those who don't know, the uninitiated means to flower and attempt to, uh, uh, reproduce. And when it bolts, uh, the flavor tends to immediately fall off because now it's, uh, all of its resources are being consumed by... Uh, the reproductive process. So uh, it's a great time to harvest the uh, the flowers and dry them out, and you can replant and, and try again. But if you grow something like bok choy, you leave it in the direct sunlight uh, spring to summer, and that shit gets too hot, enjoy it for uh, the moment you see those those buds growing up. You've already screwed up. So uh, mine bolted because we just had uh, a stretch of crazy weather in which we live in the upside down. It was 100 degrees in Connecticut this weekend and 68 Ooh. degrees in Austin, Texas. At the same time, which is insane. And now today, I think it maybe hit 70 degrees. I don't understand. Yeah, I'm, I'm not convinced that you live actually in Connecticut. I, I think you might live somewhere else. I, I actually know you live in Florida. A company that, that, yeah, you know what I mean? It's, it's very possible, very possible. Oh, we, All right. I'm, I'm not a contractor anymore. We can talk about it now. Ah. I was a contractor for the last few years, but uh, I and we actually we've already we've already we've already discussed it. But I work for the uh, the ears, the worldwide leader, the 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 ears, in, the in entertainment. Yep. Yeah. So. Shout out Moon Knight. That was really good. And technically, actually- DMed. Uh, we are not affiliated in any capacity with either ESPN and or Disney. I just happen to be an employee there uh, for my day job. But interesting, interesting. Yeah. Maybe someday. And I, I work for Men in Black, which is a shadowy government <laughs> organization. <laughs> He's not wrong. <clears throat> Pretty much. All right. Moving on. The PGA Championship. Mm. Well, everyone else was talking about Tiger, which I'm going to start here with a little a, a fucking rant in about 10 seconds. Yeah. But um, John Daly, a lot of <laughs> press coverage. Good for that dude. But Justin Thomas ended up winning it. Um, it, it was hold, actually, on, hold like, on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. I don't mean to call you out on our podcast, but are you assuming John Daly played in the PGA Championship? Didn't he? Isn't that what social media said? No, I think he played in the 
Champions League. I could be wrong. I could be wrong. I haven't actually looked at that. Mm. Let's see. Well, Champions League that the Saudis are organizing, just throwing money at people. Yeah, he played on it. Uh, let's see. Because I saw all of those, but I did not. You, you actually, you know what? I'm not even going to Google it because I think you're right. I think I may be incorrect. So he, he technically plays. He plays in the Champions League, which for those of you who aren't PGA fans, means like the retirement league. Like when you feel like you can't keep up with the young whippersnappers, you go off and you play in the the Champions League. But I do think he played in the. I do think he played in the the PGA Championship, which sounds funny because it's like the quarter mark of the season, give or take, in terms of golf. All of the majors, they're just all over the place. I don't know why this is called the PGA Championship because it should come at the end of the season, but I digress. But I think you exactly. might be right. I think you might be You're right. You're the golf guy. I don't I don't fucking understand this. Um look, I got I gotta just say this. I'm back on the hate tiger train. All right. Aww. Mr. I'm Mr. I'm gonna go ahead and I'm gonna get all this media attention and everything and People are gonna ask me, "Do you think you can win this tiger?" Yeah, I think I go. I, I think I go out there and win this. Okay. Just, uh, just, just, just hit him straight and uh, I chip real good. Yeah, I think I can win this. No, the fuck you can't, Tiger. Like, look, I, I believe that the greatest golfer ever uh, is not Jack uh-huh. Nicholas. It is Tiger Woods. Okay, uh-huh. I believe that in my heart, even though I don't really like the guy. Right. Okay. He he is a fantastic golfer. He has grown the game to heights that we we have never seen before. That being said. Every time Tiger gets a wild hair across his ass and decides he wants to come back, play some golf, and get back up again, he keep, like we devote like 15 days worth of coverage to whether he's going to play or not, and then he mm-hmm. is in the mix to make the cut at like seven over. I don't know. We we need to we need to stop this. We we need to just realize that maybe he and John Daly might be going to play some of this this twilight golf. Because so he's, this is he's not this the same is anymore. all right. I'm gonna I'm gonna stop I'm gonna I'm gonna stop you right there before you embarrass yourself stop further. You right there. Uh, I know you're a, a, a filthy casual PGA fan, but, uh, <clears throat> I'm going to give you some scores of folks that didn't make the cut. They don't, that, that doesn't matter to me. I'm tired of seeing media Dustin coverage Johnson. to this guy all day. Dustin Johnson. Yeah, is, is he, is he, is he over? Is he, is he on? How many, how many man times came back has... from two broken legs? And managed to get in and made the cut a, in the last. I'm I mean, not a conspiracy theorist. And then he and then he withdrew in the third round. I'm not a conspiracy theorist. He withdrew. You that and much I money, watched the swing. Why? I, yeah, I you watched gotta, the swing that that literally, like yeah, I don't know how he absolutely. I don't know how he finished the round. So he was swinging, right? Because you know, I know you golf now, and I know how. Picture how uncomfortable it feels when you make a normal swing at your relatively healthy non-athletic all age. the time okay imagine being someone who's what a year and what is a year and five months out from two broken legs so the swing you see him get up and he finishes the swing and then you could tell before you even see where the ball's going something happened because it kind of like stumbled he looks like an old person that stood up and like lost their balance for a second i think what it is is his body is not "quote unquote" battle tested for this amount of golf because we see day one and day two, but really they show up on like Tuesday and they play like two to three rounds of golf prior to even getting out there and starting their their tournament. So to say because he missed the cut, I mean there are 
at, like Adam Scott, Sergio Garcia, Dustin Johnson. Um, I mean, Henrik Stenson, you can, you can like go down the list of folks who didn't make the cut. And if we're going to say that he's with John Daly and he's out of it, I mean, he was one of the I only mean, players a, out of everyone I just take. named who played well enough to actually put himself above the cut line. And if you're someone, we're about to talk about uh, Justin Thomas here in a second. Justin Thomas had a terrible day on Saturday, had an awful mm-hmm. day, and it required yeah, but he, uh, coaching. But he made it. He, a, he wasn't he was tied for 42nd after two rounds, right? But Tiger like, withdrew in the third round, which means he made the cut. He didn't miss the that's cut. What I'm he saying. made the cut. He like he, that's what I'm saying. We keep going back to this, and I see you got the little tiger there on your on your bookshelf here. So no. I know it's, it's gonna. No, do you know what that's? Uh, that's Hobbs. I know. I yeah, know. yeah, yeah. Okay. Calvin Hobbs. Yeah, I know that. Yeah, just want to. I just want to make the joke there, but I, I'm really just don't come back and then play and then have a setback and then come back and play and have a setback. Like take some actual time. Like know that you're gonna watch the game on TV and you're and you're gonna be pissed off because you you think you can win those Masters you know, or, or other PGA like events, but like there's no point in you coming back, playing two days of great golf and then having it fall in the third and just backing out, which is the cycle that we're in now, Tim. And that's, what's really annoying to me. Like okay. I know that the guy actively wants to go in and win another master. He, he wants to put another jacket on. He wants to, he wants to maybe catch or, or exceed Nicholas. Like I get that. I really mm-hmm. do. But I think he's actively doing harm to his legacy because he keeps coming and starting and then withdrawing. Starts withdraws. Starts withdraws. And you can, no, you can no, be wait a minute. What do you mean he starts with draws? Of what he's doing. What do you mean he starts with draws? He finished the last tournament he was in. Oh, wow. How about before that? That was a major. Uh, that was the first time he's played golf since he got injured. Mm-hmm. And then before mm-hmm. he got injured, he won a major. In 2019, that, Tim. Yeah. Three years ago. Yeah. And then he, then he went on, played competitively, won some tournaments, actually competed in some, some. tournaments. So, like, we, we're, we, we know we're, Justin we're Thomas like, hasn't won the hasn't won a major since 2017, right? <laughs> I know you're about I know you're about we're, to we're, come out and, and and sing his praises, but I think this is the one sport where you make a lot of assumptions that might be a little off base because you're about to praise someone here in a second who hasn't won a major since before Tiger, but has played golf the entire time. And I'm just saying, I'm getting a little tired of to and fro with tired to set like all, all like when Tiger says he's going to play. Yeah. The Seven Eleven Open. There's so much media coverage that gets thrown to it, and I'm just over it. I'm just really over it. Like, I just <laughs> want him to either commit and play, or just like get healthy. And that's the thing. I don't think he's healthy enough to you know, to last a, last a weekend and like play oh, full round because he's back. back or this is like it's, just, it's it's getting a little much for me, man. That's all. Uh, I'm, I'm trying to see where it is because I'm pretty sure Justin. Thomas withdrew from the PGA Championship in 2019. Yes, I'm sure other golfers withdrew several other you're, games. You're looking, we're, we're souping for the fact that he does this. No, what do you you, you he, say he does this? He doesn't he, withdraw he gets, from tournaments. He gets, he gets a lot of media coverage because mm-hmm. he's one of the most famous golfers to yep. play the game. And then if Peyton he, Manning he showed up to play around. football tomorrow, do you don't think that would get media coverage? He's one of the greatest quarterbacks to ever play. That wouldn't get it. Yeah, I think. Or how about the media coverage? Uh, how about the media coverage uh, around Drew Brees and whether or not he's coming back next year? Warranted or not warranted? Yeah, I mean, I think. Yeah, Brett Favre. Uh, warranted this, or not it's, warranted? It's the same thing. It's the, it's the same thing. If if Brees is all time, oh, I'm trying to come back and play football. Like, no, dude, come on, man. Injuries, it, just like, yeah, like there's the whole thing that we have it here in I America think, where 
when it's time for you to go to pasture, you go to pasture. And I'm not saying Tiger's there yet, but I think how, it's... How long have people been saying that about Tom Brady? He had a couple of losing seasons. People wrote him off, and now what has he done? Like, it's the same idea. To say Tiger I'm Woods... he's done steroids or... Oh, my like, God. He's a vampire. One of the two things. Oh, I, my I, God. Those are the only two that, explanations. That's, the, that's the path we're going down? You think Tom Brady has done steroids? That's why? No. I'm just, Ste- I'm steroids doesn't stop you from aging. Like steroids, steroids make you a, a a guy who can lift a thousand pounds. Tom Brady still can't lift, I think, a lunch table. But uh, to, <laughs> to 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 say, I mean, first things first. Tiger doesn't withdraw from tournaments. I don't know the last one he actually withdrew from, other than this one, and when he was having back pain in which he had like a hundred surgeries. And guess what? He came back. He won. He won several tournaments, and he won a major. He was going on. He was still playing well. And then he literally crashed a car, broke both of his legs, had a bunch of surgery. People thought he wasn't going to play Chris, again. Doesn't he make gets, any sense to me. You are so rich. Like, get a driver. But what? Okay, so a driver crashes their car and he gets injured. Still, a driver's not going to crash the car. Like the, the place where he crashed like, <laughs> was known for having a lot of people. Anyway, and that talent it went too far. Yeah. Any anyway, what I'm saying is your your characterization of him is literally just not based in what is actually happening sure you can say he gets a lot of media coverage but do you know why he gets a lot of media coverage have you seen the tournament where he's at and have you seen the crowd that it pulls in people want to watch tiger woods play because it's a once in a lifetime experience you don't know when it's over it could be over at any point it could be over after this tournament who knows when it's when it's done but guys like dustin johnson routinely miss cuts yet every time they're playing that's a big conversational piece when brooks yeah, Kepka, they, routinely miss when cuts. Pl- they don't withdraw from cuts there's a difference there. they do the thing is they do withdraw he, from he, tournaments they all uh, they have all withdrawn the price from of the tournaments. does but it, it, it's that's like you, you don't think price gets is, coverage when he comes back either not nearly as much as Tiger. Let's be frank about that. Well, come on now. they're they're different caliber players but when bryce is in the in the conversation in the lineup it is some of the not so much this year actually. I, I noticed he's been kind of like blacklisted from a lot of media coverage. But Jordan Spieth is another one. He doesn't withdraw, but he misses a lot of cuts. Yet he's, when he's doing well, he is part of the conversation. It's you're going to pander to your audience, and that's exactly what it is. People, other than you know Tiger haters like yourself who hate him for reasons outside of golf. Mm-hmm. Let's be honest. You hate him for personal reasons outside. Of the sport of golf and his ability to play or not play the sport. That's the truth of it. And it's it's altering your vision of what he does in golf. Yes, you do. Because of outside of golf. I'm saying I got, I got issues, but I'm just saying that, like, I just feel like the guy is not fully healthy. So no point in coming back and playing half speed when clearly you need a little more time to sort of get back and get right. It's fine. It's fine. He's still one of the better, like, golf players out there. It, like, his status is not deteriorating as fast as his body is that, that that we're made to believe that he's running out of chances and, and you have to win this many majors in order to keep up. Jack, like who cares? I'm just saying, I don't, I, I don't want this to be a trend and that's why I, I see know. it going. The, the man came back from two back-to-back bad days, ended up playing great golf, made the cut, tried to go out and compete on day three, which would have been moving day. And then it ultimately withdrew from pain. So he made the cut over some of the best players in the entire world. I think you're yes. unfairly and looking at him and saying, oh, that's what it is. I bet. No, I'm, I'm not. I'm not unfairly other, looking at who, him. I'm who else if you want to be the greatest the of all time in a sport, you have to deal with this, this criticism. But you, have to, you have to ascend it. You just do. He's not listening to our I, podcast. 
He's not well, losing to Armand. You're hating just to hate. Uh, let's. How many other players withdrew from the tournament this weekend? Who cares? None of them. You, get you as much care about withdrawing? Tiger does. Well, that's because yes, I do care about because nobody. I don't, I don't think if you watch, yeah. I, I recommend this for anybody who is unsure of his ability. There's a bunch of uh, YouTube series that you can go on and look from. I think it's Titleist, where they have all of the Titleist golfers come in and they do all of these uh, challenges and whatnot. Uh, like Dustin Johnson, um, Justin Thomas is sometimes like all of these players that you watch all the time go out and, and play and they do all these fun little challenges and whatnot. And then watch how all of the players interact with Tiger while these things are going on. And you understand why he gets the attention and the love that he gets because one, he knows the game better than he has like an actual, you know, those commercials you get for master classes that you can, you mm -hmm. can go on. Yeah. He has one of those for golf, but you hear players look forward to playing with him because they'll talk. There's a, there was a viral video, or a viral picture that went around um, of this tournament. I think it was the first round or the start of the second round where he was, uh, he was in the group with Rory Jordan and uh, himself and he's eating a sandwich casually eating a sandwich and he's going through Jordan's bag and they're talking about the clubs that he has in there and he's giving him like suggestions and advice and they're talking about it like people like to play with him because much like Tom Brady has later in his career and the only reason I mentioned him is because in terms of like best ever in their sport Tom is one of those and you're and Tiger is without a doubt the best that's ever been a member of that sport but later on in their careers where they're at yeah. now they're not that like harsh competitor where everyone is competition and you can go fuck yourself. I'm not helping you at all. They've kind of opened <laughs> up and now they're like bringing in the young guys and bringing in other folks. You're seeing a new side of him. And it's something we didn't see a lot of that we see now with Tiger where he'll be walking down before, you know, we got a glimpse of it when he won the, the masters a few years ago where you had like the stern face chewing gum, not saying much of anything. That was like Tiger of old. Now, He's still playing decent golf. He has amazing shots at least a handful of times every single round where you're like, holy shit, this guy's still doing it. But he's including other golfers now, which is uh, something very Amazing cool. shots, not amazing runs. That's the thing. Trey does. But I, you are watching an entirely different uh, sport than what I am, and I'm Always sure most of our, our, our listeners are seeing also. We're going we're gonna to do some homework. You and I are going to watch a game together. We're going to we're gonna like connect on on Facetime. We're gonna watch a game together because I need to or a match together because I need to. I don't know what the hell you're looking at because you're not looking at uh, what we're all looking at. <laughs> but I tell you, I tell you what, what I did want you know look at and watch this weekend was the fact that JT came. Yes, from worst to first, practically he, he needed a lot of a lot of a lot of stuff to go right. Um, yeah, including a collapse by Will Zalator. Oh yeah, which you know, have you seen the joke that Will uh, Zlatoris is that guy from um, Happy Gilmore, who is the uh, who is the caddy? It's hard to unsee it once you once yes. you see it. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I I, I have seen that. Yeah. <laughs> but then then you had him. You had uh, a couple other folks that were in the mix there that would really. I mean, like uh, I think Pereira was it Mito Pereira? Like had, yeah, that was, never so that was the this. collapse. That was the yeah. that was the utter collapse of the entire round. I mean, at least Zalator was in the in the playoffs, but man, that is a really really heartbreak. That was his. I think that was, if I'm not mistaken, 
his first PGA Championship round two, and at no point during the day did he trail anybody. And then he was like, he, I think it was like five hundred, right? Yeah, and of like the first couple of rounds. And then I think yep. like Rory was close enough, and and I was like, oh shit, here we go. Should I pay attention? No, because Rory's in the mix. So like, I think I know where this is gonna go. And then bedlam, absolute bedlam on Sunday. Yeah, it was like, chaos. You know, have you have you seen the video of uh, who is it? The Orioles? Is it the Orioles? The catcher coming in for the first. Uh, there's a viral video that's going around, and it's a player making his first start. Uh, in the major leagues and he walks up to the home plate and he's got all of his gear on and everyone's like standing and cheering for him. And he like stops for a second, kind of looks around, takes it all in. You see him get like a little misty eye and then he goes down and plays great, great sports moment. If you haven't seen it, you got to look it up. But there was another similar moment at the PGA championships this weekend. Uh, a guy named uh, James Nicholas who, so whenever, whenever, they always want to fill out the field, right? The field is, you know, anybody who, uh, it, it's basically the entire grouping of golf golfers who are taking part in an event. So whenever you see the field, they usually mean anybody outside of, you know, like 10th place or anybody behind the leader or whatnot. But in any event, they have a bunch of alternates that are set up. People who like fringe qualified or qualified, but they didn't have enough spots. And there was a guy who, uh, was an he started the week as the 18th alternate, which means 18 people had to drop out of the tournament in order for him to play, and he ended up getting a call, uh, like last minute to come and join, and hopped on a plane. Plane got delayed. Was so adamant about getting there and taking part in the PGA Championship match that he didn't even wait to get his clubs from the baggage check. He just got in a car, drove, I think it was like an hour or two to get there to make his tee time, showed up literally minutes before they were teeing off, got the clubs, the bag of clubs from the clubhouse, like the pl the pros clubs, and was like borrowing and, and getting everything from it just to get out and make his first, uh, his first tee time at the PGA Championship was kind of a, a cool story. I don't think he did. Uh, I don't think he ended up making the cut, but it was kind of uh, one of those moments. If you go back and you watch it, where he's, you could see he's like, he's got pressure on him. He's trying to get everything squared away, and and he he literally is running from the parking lot. There's pictures of him literally, like track star from the parking lot all the way to the course to get his tee time, where he's like taking off his sweatshirt. I think he was like borrowing shoes and stuff, folks, just to make sure he. Uh, he got his tea time off, which was a pretty cool little moment. So if you, if you haven't looked it up yet, uh, look up James Nicholas uh, PGA Championship start. It's it's pretty cool. You have to do that. I'll tell you what, though. Yeah. JT's, JT's win here. Yeah. According to CBS Sports, his article on CBS Sports, third largest 54-hole comeback in major championship history. Largest of the century. Yeah. It's a pretty big deal. Yep, tied a record on uh, on Sunday, right? Sixty seven. Yeah, um, and that sixty seven, he, I mean, he could have been lower because on seventeen and eighteen, he definitely missed a couple of putts that he probably should have made, especially yeah. after sinking like a sixty five, you know, footer earlier in the round. Like, probably would have would have been much bigger. Yeah, 
The 65-footer was kind of like what got the... <laughs> no pun intended. Flown, if you will. Yeah, I was gonna say uh, no pun intended, but the ball rolling in terms of like his, uh, his day. Yeah, could you make a sixty-seven foot putt? Could I? Could you make a sixty-seven inch putt? <laughs> uh, um, are there bumpers? And is the whole you know a five-gallon bucket size? They're not playing on the types uh, no. of courses we are, where somebody just came with like a. A, a puncher and, and and punch the green, so you're you're dodging no, holes. Sorry, the whole I will way. say, was it was it the tee off seventeen when he just like he was on the far right side of the tee and then he he just he sliced perfectly, yeah. Where the ball just like it went up, it arced, and it came back down and it just sat right there. And you just like you watch that video and you just go, well, fuck, that's what I do. Except it goes about three hundred yards less and. I have to be on the clear opposite side of the tee to make sure I don't end up on the opposite fairway. You know what I mean? Like, you know, when you watch, that, that's the one thing. I mean, I, I complain a lot about golf, right? But when I do watch it, I mean, I understand enough after suffering through a few rounds that when, when they do really hit a masterful shot, driving the green, for example, yep. that's a risky shot. Yep. You're essentially saying, uh, I don't care about my woods or my irons. I'm just going to just, just going to go right for it. And then we'll just hope that I can chip or, you know, maybe do a long putt. Like some of that stuff's like pretty crazy, man, when you think about it. So shout out to JT. I mean, majors don't happen like this every single day, right? So, and I think this is the second time he's won it. So that's a really big deal. Mm. Good for him. Wait, did you say it's the first time he's won it? Second. Second. Yeah. Same course, yeah. uh, same actual course, too, because they rotate sometimes where that, uh, Jesus, where the PGA championship is. Should have seen that coming, huh? Yeah. Should have seen that coming. All right. Now let's talk about this. We'll 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 end this episode of Stats Matter Podcast. Talk about NIL, name, image, and likeness. Mm, and mm-hmm. if you've listened to this podcast before, you know we've definitely talked about um, how we think the NCAA definitely has an unpaid monopoly on student labor, and you should pay the players. Yep. Well, uh, name, image, and likeness is definitely going to send some reverberations if it's not already through the through the college ranks. And what name, image, likeness? does allows players to use their name, image, and likeness for endorsement deals. Mm-hmm. Now, in the past, they were never allowed to do that. Could they participate in commercials? Sure, but they couldn't receive any money from whatsoever because if they did, they would lose their amateur eligibility. NCAA would, you know, lock them up, throw away the key. Supposedly. A couple of years ago. <laughs> correct. Well, I mean, we know Reggie Bush had to, you know, he, he lost his Heisman. He lost uh, a lot of his records because... Uh, he accepted monies from boosters, and yeah, one of the first uh, name, image, and likeness laws went into effect on July first of twenty twenty one. There was a Supreme Court decision not too uh, shortly before then that was like, yeah, you can't prevent people from doing this, making money from name, image, and likeness, and yep. ooh, off to the races we are now. Everyone's seen the whole thing between Jimbo Fisher and Nick Saban, you know, talking about you know, and these are the people who have the number one and number two recruiting class. And I know you know Justin, listener of the podcast, yeah, but like. Think about it. These are these are programs that have tens, like we're talking dozens of five or four or five star recruits that are going right. Some yep. people that might never see the field in whatever sport they're playing. Name, image, and likeness doesn't upend college sports power structure. It doesn't. It does reduce the parity though between them, and mm-hmm. it does make a team who's a four point five and a four point four. It makes them a hell of a lot closer to each other now. It makes yep. someone who is probably a four point four or four point four five. And a 4.5, maybe a 4.46, right? So, I mean, it, it sounds rough, but, like, 
it does it does have an effect on recruiting. Now that you can transfer after a year uh, instead of having to sit out for a whole year and then you know waste years of eligibility, like there's been a, a couple decisions in the NCAA that have really sort of moved the needle. And mm-hmm. I think name, image, likeness is one of those things. Now, some heinous claims out there. So-and-so got paid a million dollars, or so-and-so has this contract, or so-and-so bought their players. The big deal, which I think a lot of people are looking past, is the fact that there are scouts in the National Football League and in college who have who have openly said that they want players who are who have PhDs, that, that are poor, hungry, and desperate. Mm-hmm. That they look necessarily for a player who might have a a sadder situation because in a way, what they're saying is they're going to exploit that. And name image likeness throws a little bit of that power back the other way. A little bit. It doesn't throw the whole weight and or the whole, you know, baby with the bathwater out. It's yep. not the way that this works. Name image likeness, even if individual players sort of get money, there are collectives, which almost seem like they're like boosters in a way, yep. uh, from these these schools that have these marketing deals with companies, right? They're going to know how much they can or cannot afford to pay a four or five star recruit. Not everyone is going to make plus six figures. And I think one thing that we're, we're kind of missing the trees of the forest on here. This is life-changing money for these kids, for, the, for these young men yeah. and women. It is. And, and we, we, have to, we, have to, we, have to, we have to deal with these growing pains and just realize that these young men and women, these college athletes, we're going out there like are going to get money that's going to change their lives, whether it's because they're – Scholarship runs out when they get injured and, and they're able to have some money to sort of uh, transition to the next point in their life or the fact that like maybe they do want to buy their parents a house because they've lived in a, in a precarious situation. Like mm-hmm. we should not be throwing the, the social media book at them in a way because like the NCAA has had years to put in their own system where they could have put as much draconian rule into it as what they do with rules and TV deals, but they didn't do that. They decided to make themselves money instead of the players. And now the players have taken a bit of that power, and we're looking at a 70-30 split instead of a 90-10. Seismic? Yes. Groundbreaking? Of course. Destroying the NCAA? Not at all. I, w- I would love to know <clears throat> what some of these... They went like full... Uh, what would I classify it as? They went full like person on social media who's making the cryptic post like oh those jerks did it again and then not giving any more information or oh my gosh I can't believe this happened without getting any insight you just have two people saying like throwing out what another team is doing that supposedly a bent that that's either bending the rules or against the rules but no one's going really into any level of detail that actually matters and i'm very curious as to to understand what it is but what what they're saying is an end result that they're buying players that's something i talked about when we were first talking about this whole thing in the beginning like players being taken advantage of being able they should be able to make money off of their their likeness and whatnot is that you're gonna have good schools that are gonna ultimately end up pulling in better recruits because they have deeper pockets whether that's uh, uh, winning sports franchises or uh, better boosters, uh, more historic uh, revenue streams because they're bigger, more 
well-known school. There's lots of ways to do that. But if you have two prime schools bitching and moaning back and forth about how players are being bought by one team or whether someone's practices are, or may not, may not be above water. Imagine those like fringe schools, like how the hell are you ever going to compete with that? If like two of the top schools are going back and forth in Alabama and, uh, um, like any of the like top 10 teams uh, in college sports. Well, any of them. Yeah. Alabama is the biggest one, but let's say any of them. Well, uh, they're never two this year, which is what they were bitching about. <laughs> well, I mean, in like if they're all top 10, right? And they're mm-hmm. nitpicking and complaining about each other. Could you like imagine being a school that's outside of the top 10? I don't I I don't really understand like is this is this type of behavior specifically for the Pac ten? Is it specifically wow. for Pac twelve, Tim? Come on, Pac twelve. Yeah, sorry, geez. the Pac twelve. Is it specifically for perennial bowl contenders that play in bowl games that matter because there's a million bowl games now? Uh yeah, but but think about it. Even if you have an NIA deal, uh, sorry, an NIL deal and you're only making like five thousand dollars because you have, you know, a deal with like a local sandwich shop. That's five thousand dollars you didn't have before. You're still paying taxes on that five thousand dollars, right? Mm. If you have an agent, you're still paying a fee to that agent. And if you don't have an yep. agent, you still got to pay the taxes on it. So, like, someone's still getting their money at the end of the day. I I, I agree. I mean, everyone's getting paid, but it's it still kind of negates the fact that before this, it was either all shady dealing so there may not have been the same amount of taxes or agents being paid it was just people finding ways to pay players or paying their families and their families were trickling down my point is schools that have the money to throw around in major recruiting efforts to guarantee players are getting the max amount of money that's that's possible to them uh it's right. going to be relegated to schools who have deeper pockets that's i've said that since the beginning right Asking a team, uh, you know, who doesn't play in a bowl game every few years to pay a full roster worth of of kids, or to or or who can't necessarily offer the same promoting level, if you will, or the same uh, namesake, or or whatever the case may be, whatever value they perceive as being a reason you should choose their school over. Like, if you're considering Alabama. Or like some other team that you may also have a scholarship to. If you're trying to sell your name and likeness, are you going to get it more at somewhere like you know Fresno State, or are you going to get it at Alabama? Alabama can come well, in I'm, and promise you more FaceTime. They can promise you yeah, more television time, all that sort of stuff. So I don't know. It's it's. I think we kind of instituted it a little quicker than than I think they should well, have I mean, until yeah. they kind of fleshed it all out. But this is what we're going to see. And if the top mm-hmm. two, it's like it's like watching mm-hmm. the one percent of society bitch and moan that someone's avoiding taxes better, like the people who are down, you know, in the tax brackets below them are like, shut the hell up! You guys are complaining about like which one of you has the most amount of money to throw around, and here we are, uh, just trying to get enough players on our team to continue to compete before we get bounced to another conference because. We didn't have a strong enough win-loss schedule, a win-loss record against teams that actually mattered. At the same time, if you have a team like Alabama who manages to secure all the top tier or Texas A&M who 
happens to get all the top tier talent. Now your team rating is so much higher. That's going to skew the entire bowl rating system that they do now because they have this arbitrary, like, Ooh, how do we evaluate what team versus what team? And, and that matters. Those fringe teams in, in, in the PAC 12 are, are now going to be devalued because they don't have the same recruiting roster because they don't have the same Could be. face value. It's, I don't know. The whole thing is just a little bit of a mess. It seems, it seems very much like the NCAA to rush into this and screw this up. Yeah, for sure. Now, uh, an article from December 28th, 2021, slate.com. You know, we had only had name, image, and likeness for a few months, okay? So mm -hmm. definitely going to have to get some updated stats that don't matter for you. But over the first four months, according to Open Doors, this is a direct quote from the website, the average D1 athlete made at least $686 on one deal before taxes for name, image, and likeness. Mm -hmm. So this isn't like, yes, there are people like Bryce Young from Alabama who – had nearly a million dollars in NIL deals on the books before the season ever began. Mm -hmm. And just like the player from Jackson State also, um, but in which Saban called out Jackson State um, and Coach Prime for that, which you know, they went back and forth on it. But think about that. On the average D1 athlete on a, a single deal, $686 before taxes. In, in D2 and 3, it was $68.35 for athlete. I'm just saying that, like, yeah, there are going to be players who make a, a boatload of money on name, image, and likeness. But there right. are not going to be as many of them. Like the, the power sways are not going to be as violent as I think people think they are. They're just not. Because the people that want to go to Alabama, because they believe in Alabama's program and they believe that it's a great stepping stone to get to the NFL, are going to continue to go to Alabama. That recruiting is a self-perpetuating cycle, right? There are people who are always going to go to North Dakota State. There are people who are only going to get into the University of Southern Maine, like your boy. Okay, but uh, we're not talking like we're robbing the bank here. We're talking about life-changing money for a lot of these players right. who have not had the power in their stead for a long time. So I think we're just we're getting a little bit past this here where they're like, oh, I don't know. Maybe we maybe we rush this. Like, yeah, you had something for 10 years that was out in in the national consciousness. We should pay college players and they never had a good idea session. They spent more time thinking about TV deals and how to get these bowl games, you know, for everyone who has an over 500 record rather than think about how to control paying the players. And they could have done it. They could have done it. You, Tim, you know, the NCAA could have like, been like, Hmm, we're going to pay every division one athlete, uh, $125. And if you're a D two athlete, then you make, $46, and if you're a D3 athlete, you make $15 a day or whatever it is, right? Mm -hmm. they, they could have found a way to do that. They, they make plenty of money hand over fist with these yep. TV deals. They own a day of the week, Tim. But it doesn't matter. They didn't care about that. And now that there are players and collectives who are essentially backed by boosters, and there's a lot of money being passed around, and the NCAA cannot grab their own part of it, mm -hmm. that's where the big problem is coming from. Because coaches that might used to say, uh, you know what? We're in the SEC, and we're gonna we're gonna face Alabama and Texas A&M this year. And we think we're gonna have a really great season, and you need to be on this program. Like, are gonna say, yeah, but what's the collective looking like? What 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 is the, what is the metropolis of the city that's you know along with that with that university? Do they have the propensity to give me a whole bunch of name, image, likeness deals? Am I gonna be hawking sandwiches? Or am I gonna be hawking every single product you know possible? Because you'll notice this on your own sort of like local TV set, 
with your favorite NFL team, that a lot of them do that. They do Subway commercials. They do Pizza Place commercials. Mm-hmm. It's name, image, and likeness deal for mm-hmm. the NFL. It's just now the NCAA that's doing it. Yeah, no, I think what you'll end up seeing long-term is like power agents who will sign a player uh, and will say, hey, listen, if you go to these three schools, whether or not, I won't put the conspiracy hat on, but whether or not that, that man makes kickbacks from uh, from those teams, I don't know, but I can see. Oh, okay. I can see. Him, they definitely make against. Yeah, I can see him going into a high school, finding a player, or like elementary school now. What I think you're going to start seeing though is like predatory behavior. That's going to be twofold. Yeah. You're going to see. Course. You're going to see them uh, prey on young kids and start putting the bug in their ear long before they can um, go into college when they start showing promise at you know like the middle school level or high school level. But I think you're also going to then see predatory parents who are going to maybe more so than they would on their own recognize their child as a lottery ticket and understand that not every student is going to make it into the NFL. You can be a star athlete at a high school, go to the college level and then struggle a little bit. But now with social media promising high school athletes start garnering, garnering a lot of conversation long before they ever step foot on a college field because you have TikTok and you have viral moments and and a lot of those viral moments can be manufactured but I can see what I can see happening is uh an agent becoming like a an like a powerhouse where what they do is they put together a good social media team they put together like a production team and say hey listen kid uh, you got a lot of promise. If you sign with me, we'll put the full weight of our agency behind you. And by the time you hit college, you can go to the whatever college you want to go to. However, these are the colleges that I would suggest uh, because I can guarantee that if you play for these teams, you'll get X percentage higher in total uh, in total demand, right? Because you can't say this school is going to pay you more. That's not necessarily how that works. It's if you play right. for Alabama or Texas or, you know, UCF or any one of these, these you know, depending on what sport you're in, if you play for any of these, you'll get a 40% boost in your online viewership, which is translating to X amount of marketing dollars and, and so on and so forth. That'll start at a young age. They'll start picking them out. They'll start putting that bug in their ear. And next thing you know, they're going to sign with that player and that coach, you know, damn well he's going to build that i say him they're going to build relationships with specific teams the the coaches are overwhelmingly male so it's not too far-fetched to think yeah and then to say i was talking about the agents themselves the agents funneling them and you i would not be surprised if there's some sort of like backdoor deals or percentage cuts or whatever that says hey for every player you bring our way that is of this recruiting class and higher We'll pay you X amount of dollars. And the I'm final sure way to do be, it. Tim. You're a professor on our staff now. And oh my God, look at this. You've been here for, for two years. You're tenured now. We're going to pay you X amount of dollars to be a, a sports agent uh, professor. And one day a week, you have to come in and, yeah, and talk I, about it. it. But you might be sick every day. It definitely day. could be. <laughs> it, definitely, it definitely could be. I, I think there's, there's two things here. Um, everyone is talking about these name image likeness deals and acting as if 
these players are being bought while just subtly looking past the fact that the majority of college coaches and college administrators are white people and the the majority of players are African American or minority. And there's there's just there's just a like a little bit of do better, right? Like just think about maybe not talking about buying other other human beings. Because this isn't like Yeah I, this isn't this isn't like yesterday. You know what I mean? Like just just think about that. And then the second yeah. thing is this is this is a rule that just got put into place and the market is the wild west at the moment. So you know what mm-hmm. you should be doing? Instead of fearing about all the stuff that's happening right now, you should be openly creating the version 2.0 of, of name, image, and likeness. That's what you should be doing. You should be thinking about all the, the parameters you want to put into place to have proper oversight, to make sure that um, what you're saying, that the agents don't get too much influence or the, the collectives or the schools don't get too much influence, but we're not doing that here, are we? We're just bitching, moaning, and complaining about the fact that college athletes are getting paid all of a sudden and they're not really amateurs it's like folks this don't really matter yeah i i, I agree i mean i just i think they went about it all wrong they should have come up with a way of of paying like a base salary to everybody and called it a day right like i i, I have i have been i have been saying that for a long time everyone's like oh, what would you pay and i'm like i don't know i just do a sliding scale it doesn't count it doesn't matter thirty five thousand dollars a year to starting the, the oh, rookie the rookie contract yeah per play the rookie contract for an NFL player is like three I mean it's not, I think it's the same for everybody it was like uh one of the Gronkowski brothers actually just today put out a uh, oh that's right a, yeah yeah a little TikTok that was like oh my starting uh salary as a rookie was three hundred and five thousand dollars uh paid this, a lot of taxes on it yeah more money uh, more problems Shout yeah it was like. 30% of it went to taxes and then he had agent fees and then he had uh, union fees, all that sort of stuff. So really he took them like, let's call it 175,000 or I don't, I don't remember what it was after all. I think he posted it all said and done, but let's call it $150,000. So if on a rookie contract, your take home is $150,000. Okay. Mm-hmm. You're, you're playing at a professional level at that point. Why not pay division one athletes? Who are already on scholarship, like thirty-five thousand dollars a year, twenty-five thousand dollars a year. It's still more than what they'd make anyway. Like their food's yep. covered, their housing is covered, which are two of your major expenses uh, as a young adult and an old adult. And it doesn't matter. Scholarship, their tuition's covered too. And your tuition's covered, so you don't have to worry about debt. So, like this is one of those scenarios where you factor all of those things in and say, okay. If we weren't paying for your room and board, okay, maybe it's forty thousand dollars. If we're not paying for your food, maybe it'd be fifty thousand dollars. Maybe like there's lots of ways to see how you would stack that up. But the fact that all of their wants and needs are being catered to medically, uh, housing until they lose that eligibility, though. It, sure, but there's lots of reasons for them to lose that eligibility. If it's because you screwed up and your grades suck, then it is what it is. If you declare for the uh, the major league that your sport is is in and you lose eligibility whatever that whatever the case may be it's a risk that you take on as being an athlete in general right um if you're no longer eligible to play in your sport but you're still there on scholarship and that scholarship is still valid you're still having your tuition covered and whatnot at that point you're just like a regular college student so like there's are you though are you a regular college student if you're at the university of alabama and you played for the football team and you ran out of eligibility i don't know we get into this all day, yeah. but the, I think the main takeaway, Tim, as you said, is that just like there's going to be a little bit of abuse of the system yeah. because it's brand new yep. and we shouldn't 
we shouldn't we shouldn't be like, oh, we're so afraid of what this is going to happen. You should actively be allowing it to happen so you can find a way to put bumpers in place, you know, for version 2.0. But what do we know? We're just two, two people that are talking sports, and we don't get name, image, and likeness deals. Well, actually, hold on. <laughs> the, the vacation land deal was kind of... Uh, maybe maybe could be so i i appreciated that that was uh that was that was fantastic we should see if we can it was fantastic it was not worth 686 dollars it was worth millions uh, in our hearts (laughs) in our hearts that's right all right well uh we pontificated enough on a lot of the things we feel strongly about um some more legal advice uh just remember like the last time we are not agents uh this is not legal advice uh, <laughs> uh, but uh, on a more somber serious awesome. note, hug your loved ones, everybody. Hug them, keep them close. All right. Take care of each other and stop being assholes. <laughs> <laughs>